So I'm here with my friend Carrie Rosinski, who is an American but is living in New Zealand and we're in New Zealand right now. Is that right? Yeah, that's totally right. We're in a little hotel room. We're in a little hotel room (laughs) in Auckland chatting about life and creativity. Really good to have you on our podcast. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to see you. Yeah, we haven't (laughs) seen each other for years and we're just... The last time we saw each other was also in Auckland, though. Was it? Yeah, it was in a church. What was there it? Was a poetry oh, slam. there was a poetry slam happening. You, yeah, in church. I was judging, and you came along, ah. and I think we hugged for like ten minutes. <laughs> that sounds like us. I know. That sounds like something I would do. The deep place on creativity and spirituality. My name is Joy Prouty, and I'm Joel McCarrow. Welcome to our podcast. are meant to be truth tellers and they're meant to be like the political voices of our moment and we look back at like great writers or Mm. great songwriters or great artists and we say oh my god like look at how incredible they were at calling out those injustices instead of like recognizing that like we're those people now to call out those injustices and like that art is so essential Mm. to like holding the evils of the world accountable Poem by Carrie Rosinski. My God, my God, I am a stupid, selfish prayer. Your voice has begun to sound like my voice, and I haven't yet learned to silence my own fears. My God, my prayers have become languages I am afraid to speak. At night, my chest unfurls grief until I don't know what it looks like. Until I am a flock of bandaged plums. Until there is so much doubt in me. My God. I listen to others defile your name and I do not tell them I love you. My God. So many strange gods have come before me and kissed the soles of my feet. I built them altars until each promised they do not love me. My God. My God. I dreamt you were dead. There are cities that smell like you, men in airports who have stolen your shoulders, nights you come to me half-dressed in my own desires. My God, for months I felt like dirty sheets you slept in with someone else. My God, I can't apologize for what I am so grateful for, for what you most despise, you spiteful boy, you ignorant desire. Wealth is a funny thing. It doesn't matter how it's earned once you have it. No one believes you deserve it. You'll become the most expensive piece of furniture in the room and no one will touch you. My God, I have never seen you so ugly as when I am awake. Brittle, twisted girl with no face, just tiny fingers hooked down my throat, vomiting your hate like a sick cat wilting on the carpet. My God, I have eaten my reflection so many times and I am still hungry. My God, I have been called sir enough times to my face to understand that I do not see myself as beautiful. 
My God, I abused my own demons and they peeled the flesh from my eyelids. My God, I am waiting for a faithful man. My God, I listen to you cry at night. Your body is broken but not hopeless. Please, drink me in. I promise I am not empty yet. My God, my God, my secrets have begun to lie to themselves. I should never have promised so many beautiful things. My God, my father tells me he is so happy with his life. He is content to die tomorrow. Oh, to love another person so much you could bludgeon your own darkness. My God, my God, I will not apologize for the absence of my own strength. I will forgive myself. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. My God, I have been my own God. Forgive me. We're going to get in and chat about creativity. Um, the first, well, the kind of first question that we want to ask you is not around creativity, but it mm-hmm. might come to be, mm-hmm. is what is an experience, something in your life that has been a moment of transition? Yeah, big question, I know. A moment of transition from, it could be a transition into freedom, could be a transition into being stuck. So either mm-hmm. into positive or negative, if there's something that you can name so that we can know a little bit more about you oh, I think uh three and a half years ago moving like just mm. picking up and moving across the world to New Zealand was mm. like a huge transition and not in the ways that I expected it to be and I think the first year of living overseas was probably one of the hardest years of my life wow. yeah. and so like it was like fulfilling this amazing dream and having all these people I love be like oh my god you look so happy on your Instagram <laughs> and like you're living the dream and I'm like actually like two of my grandparents died and a friend committed suicide Wow! and like um, my partner and I got in a head-in collision like in a car crash and like and like and my partner and I like moved in together for the first time overseas (laughs) that is insane that is a crazy year it was a crazy year so it was just it was probably the biggest, like, m- yeah. as many transitions as could possibly happen to me. And I think yeah. it was... <laughs> it's too many. That is too many transitions. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we survived. Yeah. And I was writing um, just this past year, I kind of put together a little collection of poems mm. that I haven't, like, gotten published yet. But the... Um, the title was... Oh, gosh, and I'm going to forget the title. Um, it's... Uh, like something about survival anyway. Mm. And I think that what I realized that was like in all these aspects of my life, all these themes in the past couple of years have actually been survival right. and growing through that survival. Yeah. Whether that was like love or relationships or creativity or. Yeah. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And that so kind of idea. basically the world is going to become the Hulk after Donald Trump is not president <laughs> anymore. Yeah. We're going to yeah. be really strong. That's, that's really true. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully that will be in two years or even shorter. Immediately. Let's would go be fine. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> right after the midterms. <laughs> 
Um, what, what was the original move to New Zealand for when you did that? Um, <laughs> to get away from America because no. you knew that Donald Trump was about no. to be... Actually, he wasn't even running yet. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we moved in 2015, so it was really like... I mean, yeah, he was running, but it wasn't like there was no possibility of him winning kind mm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, my partner and I fell in love um, in 2011 when we were traveling around New Zealand together, and we're both yeah. American. And it had we'd lived then, we had like a long-distance relationship for years in the States, and it was like this dream of like, oh, we can finally give up these cities that we live in uh, to move like far away overseas together from all of our support networks. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also had like a poetry community that we were really interested in becoming involved in, and mm. it was just kind of a dream. Like, if not now, when? You know. And yeah. It, yeah. we just, I think, we were in love with each other, and we were also in love with this idea of going away yeah. and kind of like you know to the end of the world essentially. And yeah. But there's reality at the end of the world, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so... So you moved here, and then the shit hit the fan. Shit hit the fan, and then... Yeah, and then I think it was good. We both had to work, like, crappy jobs that neither of us wanted. Like, yeah. I fixed cars and cleaned cars, and he worked in a pizza place and was going to yeah. school and stuff. And now we both have, like, full-time jobs doing poetry full time. And yeah, so, wonderful. Like, that took a, a period of time to to get where we are, but I'm also really yeah. glad that we had to go through that shit to, like, really appreciate what we got now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that we didn't just, like, show up in this community and, like, demand things. Like, yeah. we, we yeah, we tried to, to find space and make space for other people and other people made space for us, and that was really cool, so. What did you, um, during the year that shall not be named, is that what you call it? Is that <laughs> yeah, what you call it sounds now? great. Um, what did you What did you learn? Like, what was mm. What did you come out of that year, having grown within yourself? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I've really truly reflected on that. Yeah. Other than I think more than anything, I I think I've focused on my relationship having survived that year yeah that we any still, relationship surviving <laughs> that is pretty yeah. huge and that we still love each other yeah and that we can still communicate about stuff i think has been um actually the part of my growth has been being able to grow and survive with another person and yes. not just on my own you know and that yeah. i have to make sacrifices and compromises for this this person who's now like my family you yeah. know and that like moving overseas has has made me realize that oh we're not just in a relationship like we're like everything like we're family for each other now yeah, you know and yeah, there absolutely. was that kind of like transition I think that happened through all that hard stuff wow yeah that's huge yeah did it so one of one of my questions which kind of relates to this is around whether um like what if, what happened to your creativity mm. during this time. Mm. Or, or what's what's that? What's kind of the seasons of your creativity been during those really hard times? Or whether it's mm. now that it's better, yeah. What does that look like for you? Um, that's a really good question. I think it's funny because it. I think when I first moved here, I was still really focused on being an artist, and even though things were shitty, and I was working a shitty job, mm. that job actually gave me a huge amount of material to write about, mm. and I really. That's part of the reason I got through that job. Was because I was working with like the most misogynistic men you could imagine, wow. okay. and I was just writing like so many poems about them. I was like, "You suck, <laughs> and you suck," and it was actually like 
awesome because I had all this rage that yeah, I had, wow. but I had a place to like put that rage, you Into know? Into poetry. Yeah. And so yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it was actually great. Um, and I think what's been interesting is that during my three years here, I've really transitioned into an organizer role. Right. And I think that an it's... An organizer of... Of poetry oh, events. Right. And like, and being a teacher of poetry at mm. a university and being a mentor for young younger poets mm. um, has kind of taken up a lot of my space. And I think that that's been good to give myself in those ways. Mm. But now I'm having a very strong reaction of, okay, this isn't the path that I actually set out on. I need to switch back into my own creativity because as both my partner and I have discovered, like when we're not creative, we are not actually happy. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much about creativity, like doing your art is like another way of like, like learning and growing and also like being like, Oh, I'm good at this thing. I can do this thing. It builds confidence mm. and like it builds like self-worth and like mm. all of these things that can disappear. I think when you're not nurturing this like muscle that you normally use, you yeah. know? And yeah. so becoming like more of an organizer of poetry events has been rewarding. I'm a very organized person. <laughs> and so like, yeah. I recognize why I organize a lot of stuff. Yeah. Wet rain waiting under clouds full of rain. Um, the other day I was I was in a tiny airplane flying to Northland. There were eight people on the flight that yeah. like and I was sitting behind the pilot, so it was teeny tiny. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna write a goal list for next year of like what I want to achieve as an artist, like yeah. specifically as an artist. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it would be like ten things long or whatever. It was 41 things long, <laughs> which is like maybe the organizer in me, wow. but also it was like, oh shit, like this is all the stuff I've been dreaming about wow. and I haven't been giving me my, like the space to make that stuff. Yeah. And so I tried yeah. to be like as detailed as possible with yeah. each little step that I wanted. Wow. And it felt so good, Joel. Wow. <laughs> what were some of the things on your, can we know some of the things that... What can oh. we keep you accountable to when, when someone hears this podcast? Oh like, I'm going to email Gary Rosinski and say, have you done this? Um, it was all sorts of things, like from doing like a 30-30, which is like writing 30 poems in 30 days, which I've yeah. done many times in the past. But yeah. like, so doing that, um, touring Australia would be one that Great. I would want to do. Do join some us. gigs over there, see some lovely people that I like. Mm. Um, like doing like a music video, like poetry thing. Um, writing a book, like all sorts of different stuff. Some stuff that I've already done, but need to be constantly creating new and holding myself accountable in new ways. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So with your creativity, Mm -hmm. creativity in terms of our poetry is both kind of a, I suppose a a therapeutic thing, Mm -hmm. as I've been talking about, like it's that thing that helps us to not blow up inside. (laughs) Mm. Uh, And it's the thing that we then get to communicate to the world Mm -hmm. messages that we have. What for you, um, what does the creative process for you look like in terms of the, the inside work? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that I've often used like ever, I started writing when I was a kid, but Mm. I started performing um, when I was 18, so about 13 years ago. And Mm. um, I think that I always used poetry as as therapy, and I think I used it as a secret way of communicating 
things inside of me because Mm -hmm. I found that with poetry, I could be metaphorical and figurative and image heavy. And so that often people didn't know what I was talking about. But to me, it was a way of getting like actually revealing secrets that people didn't necessarily know what those secrets were, but they were like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I feel it. Like I emotionally connect with you. And so I think I often use that. And I think, um, but I don't think poetry should be a replacement for therapy. And I think as an adult now, I'm like, oh shit, I should probably go to therapy. (laughs) Like (laughs) I should, I should replace these things with real things. But yeah, yeah, I definitely think obviously there, I think poetry and creativity is super super important for processing some stuff and so yes Mm. like definitely writing can be a huge way to process but I think for me conversation and human connection is almost equally important Mm. as like ways of processing Mm -hmm. and like I have a very close circle of people and like and I think something I developed I went far away when I went to university at 18 from my family and from my friends and stuff. And so I learned how to develop really strong, healthy, long-distance relationships, like, at a young age. Yeah, wow. And so, like, that's been super important to me to kind of, like, at times when I haven't been as creative, to rely on those those forms of deep connection yeah. to help process some of those, like, that fire and stuff, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it shouldn't be a replacement for, like, creativity, but... It's, it's both and, it's holding yeah, them together. Yeah. I think support network is actually, like, equally as important. Like, you can't just rely on one thing in your life. Mm. You can't be a one-legged chair. Like, it's not going to work. <laughs> no. And so I feel really lucky, like, yeah, that I'm insanely close with, like, my family and then, yeah. like, my close-knit circle yeah. of peeps because they like hold me accountable and they also like hear me out and listen to me and yeah it feels very nurturing and that feels at times equally important to my creative process I'd love to just pick up on a few things that Carrie's been talking about in here uh, as I've been listening back to edit this because I think they're really crucial things that if you took away as an artist would be really helpful. Uh, Carrie was talking about um, artistry and creativity uh, and how um, we're just not happy as creatives when we are not doing these things, when um, when we're not nurturing these muscle, uh, these these creative muscles of ours, our content confidence and our self-worth disappears. And I love these few things that she's talking about to really move the artist forward. Um, her, her goal list, and I know that's something that often you hear in different places and sometimes you get around to doing it and sometimes you don't, but I, uh, I loved hearing this from her, that she sat down and, and said, what do I want to achieve as an artist? What do I want to bring about next year? And she wrote this list of 41 or however many it was things that, that she really wanted to do. I wonder for you, if you sat down, uh, maybe after this podcast or um, over this next little while, sit down and make this, this goal list. I know I have a whole bunch of things that I want to achieve over the next year. And, and I'm a very goal-orientated kind of 
real purpose kind of driven person in that sense. Um, and so it probably comes easy to some of us, uh, but I know for many of us that it wouldn't come easy. And so forcing yourself to sit down and to write a, a goal list to say, this is the creative projects I want to work on over this next year. This is what I want to achieve. Maybe that's something that you uh, could do coming out of this podcast to help you in your creativity. Um, and the other thing that she talked about just then was the idea of human connection of us as creative people who are constantly moving into these these deeper places and reflecting on the stuff of our lives, how much we need these networks of support around us um, to help us to process through stuff just as much as our creativity and our artistry does. And so again, my, my question would be, and, and maybe my um, challenge or something coming out of this would be, is there a group of people, could you sit down and write a list of your network of support, of who are the people around you that are cheering you on, that are supporting you, that you are able to honestly and authentically share with, uh, would be such an important thing. So I just wanted to bring these things up as we get back into this interview with uh, with Carrie, some thing, practical things for you to do in your creative journey. What? Why? Why do you create? Why do you create? I think there's a quote about poetry that I think um, it's probably been used and, and misused many times, but this idea of like poetry being um, saying things with words that you can't actually say with words. Hmm. And I think that that is actually really true for, for me, that the reason I'm a poet or write poetry is to express the emotions in me that don't that don't have a way to be spoken in other ways, you know? Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. And so it's like communicating in a language that's words but not words, I don't know. And so, I don't know, I just find that really beautiful, that it's a way to express myself emotionally constantly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. How can you not create? <laughs> that's true. That's a, Yeah. Like, we're all creating, like, even if you're farting, like, you're creating something, <laughs> right? Like, even the most boring mathematician is, like, creating something. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, yeah. I don't know. I would say the same. I think we often get creativity and, and artistry mixed up. Oh, true. Yeah. Snaps for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that our um, creativity is seen as a skill that some people have rather than mm. a a innate attribute of who a person is. Mm, yeah, like humanity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah humans we... create other humans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. So for you, how does how would you say your um what is what's your a uh, big part of this podcast is around kind of the intersection between our creativity and our spirituality. Mm -hmm. What how do those two things come together for you? What does that look like for you? I think you would probably consider yourself a spiritual person, maybe. <laughs> based, on previous based on previous conversations that we've had. What is, yeah. What's that journey? How does creativity fit into that journey for you? Oh, I don't know. I've definitely written about like my relationship with God mm. or like spirituality mm. in my work for sure. I think that like spirituality is there and not necessarily linked to with my Catholic guilt, like how often <laughs> yeah. I go to church yeah, yeah. or things like that, you know? And that's yeah. been like a constant, like shifting, changing thing in my life, you yeah. know? And I think, um, 
it's also, I think my spirituality has been interesting to see. I think I nurture it most when I'm outside and I find like a lot of like creativity and like inspiration mm. when I'm like in the woods in New Zealand, like yeah. out for a, a tramp or whatever, you <laughs> yeah. know? And so hanging out with Frodo and Bilbo. Yeah, in the exactly. Woods. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, I think I feel most alive and yeah. therefore like closer to whatever like the source of the universe is like when I'm out in nature yeah and that's been actually like a recent I'm like realizing putting it into words right now but that's been like a recent realization of like I have the best conversations when I'm like out in the woods walking with someone or like Mm. I talk to myself or I feel like I'm breathing air whatever that is and that I think is part of my spirituality Mm. I think Mm -hmm. as at this moment you know Mm -hmm. whereas in the past it might have looked different Mm. and I think that like creativity we have moments of writer's block or moments of like you know oh who is my audience and Mm. I think we have those same moments in spirituality as well like like these kind of moments of blocks of how do I connect or what is how do I connect with myself or something bigger yeah I don't know does that make sense that makes absolute sense so how do you how do you push past those blocks the creative blocks for you the creative blocks, I don't know. I'm probably like always in a creative block. Um, and that's why I wrote that list. So I could yeah. like, you know, I think so that was, I think that was part of my way of getting through the block was actually form like saying those goals out loud or like mm. writing them down and making them real, not just like holding myself accountable, but actually realizing that they're achievable. Mm. I think like in even that simple thing of I'm going to do the most simplest act of creativity of writing a poem and completing it. Mm. Like even that simplicity saying out loud and visualizing it or whatever is part of the way of getting through that block. I think as somebody who's written for a really long time and Mm. performed for a long time, like the audience gets in your headspace of writing for an audience, Mm. you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that sometimes that can be part of the block um, I had a student email me today saying that she hasn't been in class because she has like massive anxiety yeah. and she's like scared to read her work to other people and get feedback on yeah. it. And so, you know, there's some things that she's responsible and needs to be held accountable for in that situation. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but also like, I think that so much of it is like internal that blocks us mm. from achieving what we want or mm. need to be achieving. Mm-hmm. And finding ways to get around that mm. is going to be different for each person. Totally. And it's so hard to um, kind of the getting around that sometimes uh, it feels like it's actually us trying to ignore that deeper stuff. Right. Like, and, and yeah. part of the creative, <laughs> the creative movement is into the yeah. deeper stuff, which is hard. Like mm. um, we were talking about before, though, that it's always the the most the vulnerable performers, the vulnerable poets. They're the ones that's like. Uh, like mm-hmm. not just that win poetry slams or whatever, but no, they're yeah. the ones that move you the most. Mm. The choice to go into, yeah, not around, yeah, that's so hard to do. It's like touching that nerve and like refusing to take your finger off of it. Tell me about your favorite poetry experience that you had. Or, and then maybe your worst experience. <laughs> I can tell you the worst, like straight away. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the worst poetry experiences. Yeah. I have so many. Wow. Um, one of the worst was 
Um, That's kind of comforting that you have so many. But this is the hard thing. Okay, so like saying the worst, the worst poetry performances are the ones that made me such a better performer. Like I am such a stronger performer because I went through these like shitty experiences. And so it's actually like, should they be the best? Because Uh, they strengthened my ability. Like, um, so I had a horrible experience once at a school in Tennessee. A university had booked me for like a gig and it was some weird like all night kind of thing they had many performers in different rooms yeah and at one point I ended up in like a green room with a guy dressed as a scarecrow and like a comedian from like last comic standing or something yeah and we were all like what are we doing here and I went into the room and I performed for this like group of students and people were like on their phones people were like throwing food at each other wow and it was awful like truly awful and I had to perform for like a whole hour and like no one was except this one girl came up to me at the end and she was like you changed my life kind of thing that one kid you know who's like I was listening did it make it worth it slightly slightly made it worth it um and like also like going through India as a performer was Mm. really difficult Mm. because Specifically, it was like actually before I really started writing seriously feminist work Mm. and I went to several universities or schools and I had men continually ask me if I hated men Mm. and like challenged me with really difficult questions like I've never seen snow. How do you expect me to understand what you're writing about? Like just and I was kind of I was young like I was I don't know like maybe whatever, 24 or something. Mm. And like, I was not prepared to be confronted and challenged in those ways. Mm. And so like India actually shaped me into such a a stronger performer and writer in person. And Mm. it was challenging. So I am super grateful for those experiences. Mm. I think one of the best experiences I ever had was actually, um, there was like good and bad in it, but I, I was, I've never been so happy. Like I made final stage at the individual world poetry slam in 2013. Yeah. And, um, it was my first time making like a individual final stage like that. And so like there had been 72 poets at the competition, only three women made final stage. Wow. And my partner like secretly flew in to surprise me on the day. And I wrote a brand new poem, like, the morning of final stage. I memorized it, and I performed it that night on stage. Wow, that is a risky endeavor. (laughs) It was the first time I did it. I did it again the following year at a different final stage, different poem, everything. Wow. And so I was actually, like, I came in seventh out of, like, 12 people. And I felt like I had become president. Like <laughs> I was so happy and so on cloud nine because I like achieved all these things and yeah. I made it to the second round and I was just yeah. I was so elated yeah. and happy and proud of myself. Yeah. I think that was one of my favorite that's amazing performance moments. Yeah. And just the- truly like appreciating what I could achieve with my creativity, mm. bringing it back around to what mm. we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I, ch- I set out serious, big, huge challenges for myself and like surpassed what I thought I could do. Wow. Carrie is just naming some really important things for us to be doing as creatives. And I want to pick up on another two of these, uh, perhaps for you to reflect on again. Um, Taking the first one, taking the 
um, the worst creative experiences. And I, I love it how Carrie reframed her worst creative experience to realize actually uh, they were her best. They were they they helped her to perform better, to craft her work better, all that kind of stuff. And so I wonder for you, what are your worst creative experiences? And do some of those need to be reframed for you? Do you need to name them in a different way, to see them in a different way? How have those worst experiences, how have they uh, built you up to be a better artist and a better creative? Sit down and, and write about that. What are those worst experiences been? And, and begin to write, what did they teach me? What did they show me? How have I become a better creative artist through those things? The other one just at the end there to take that, you may have done that goal listing thing that we're talking about before. Um, Then I I loved her ending phrasing just then around setting these huge, big challenges for herself and surpassing, seeing herself surpass what she could do. Um, Take that goal list that you hopefully will begin to do and set some like big mammoth, mozza ball, huge challenges for yourself. Just put them out there and see what you can do. I remember one of my, um, one of mine ones was to over the last few years was to um, to act again. And I talked about that with uh, in the episode with Anna McGann, how I I got back into being able to act to, to do theatre, and um, that was a massive challenge for me to to go with Anna and to craft a whole theatre piece. To write that and then and then perform it um, night after night after night. This character dialogue acting that was huge for me. What what would be your massive challenge? Huge challenge that you could give yourself. Why don't you spend some time reflecting on that one as well? And we'll get back into this interview. <laughs> A whole lot of your themes are, as you said, around feminism Mm -hmm. or around um, women and equality Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Where did that come? Obviously, you can say in general, where did that Mm. come from for you? It should be there for all of us. But (laughs) what about for Carrie Rosinski? Where did that become like a this, I need to bring my voice Mm. to this as as a person, as an individual? I mean, I think, I mean, I think as like, like people who want equality and like, you should inherit it's inherently part of you but I I didn't actively start thinking about it being kind of a more overt or like more political quote-unquote like Mm. attribute to my work I was definitely somebody who was really focused on emotion and relationships in my earlier work (laughs) and in 2012 um, I moved to Denver and to be closer to my partner, and I lived there for I don't know maybe ten months, and it was something there like the scene there was maybe more political, um, but also I had all these experiences. I would walk. I I moved about ten minutes away from my partner, um, and I would walk down Colfax Avenue, which was a very busy street in Denver, mm. to get to his apartment to see him or or whatever. And um, on that walk. I would just have, I would be street harassed the entire time wow. by like every man I'd pass on the street. And it wow. was heavy. Like, yeah. it was just like this all consuming, like, I felt like a sponge that they were just like pouring into. And it became impossible for me to not mm. write about what I was experiencing all the time. And I think it just became such a such a way of fighting back in some kind of way like yeah. being like oh I'm going to take autonomy over my own body and voice in this situation 
Um, so I think it was just kind of a perfect mixture. Like I was probably ready to move on to, to more, um, uh, opinionated pieces um, and be more direct about how I was feeling about stuff. And then also kind of taking control and power back in a space where I've obviously felt like very vulnerable and scared, like fear. Actually, that's really interesting because like fear, I think was such a huge part of my life in America and I didn't realize it. Wow. And like moving here has been so strange. Like it took several months for that fear. I wrote about it in a piece where I say like it took six months for the fear to leave my body, like to stop expecting something terrible to happen. Wow. And like I feel like not that Aotearoa is like perfect, but I feel so much safer here Mm. and just astronomically like different. And Mm. part of that is like the ways that I felt unsafe as a woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. unsafe just as a, as a person in a, in a country of extreme gun violence and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so those are all things, I think my political voice has, has not gone away. Like I think being further away and looking at my country and like having a very critical lens. And I feel like, I mean, not to go off, but like America's just, capitalizing on it like we're giving our children we're making them buy clear backpacks and we're buying like we're making things to make our classrooms bulletproof instead of actually attacking like the root of the problem yeah you know and i think that that like comes back to like poets are meant to be truth tellers and they're meant to be like the political voices of our moment and we look back at like great writers or Mm. great songwriters or great artists and we say oh my god like look at how incredible they were at calling out those injustices yeah instead of like recognizing that like we're those people now to call out those injustices and like that art is so essential mm. to like holding the evils of the world accountable yeah. you know and yeah. i think there's so many great activists and i think that art is inherently a form of activism wow yeah and um I'm wondering if there's if there's a glimpse you can think of for you when you've seen like your work, whether it's whether it's changed a whole community or whether it's just changed one person. If there's like an experience you could speak to about that, a hundred percent, it happened to me in Australia. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, it was that. What was that show called? Um, it's like One Night Stand or something. It was Anis Moshgani and Ken and I were oh, all yeah, yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we were in Melbourne and. Um, and I just did one poem to open the night. Yeah. Um, and so I did a really like big feminist poem that I had at the time um, mm. that was all about rape culture and street harassment, specifically about that experience in Denver. And it was called In America. And um, at the intermission, I went out into the like reception area. And I, on that tour, I'd been touring around New Zealand and Australia at the time. And on that tour, I'd had so many women like unexpectedly just come up and just pour themselves into me and like tell me about their assaults or their rapes or their experiences. And it was like unexpected and difficult, but also really connective. Mm. And this was the first time I had a man come up to me. Um, And so it was like at this intermission at the show and this man came up and he was like, 
I haven't been able to listen to a single thing anyone else has said since your poem because I've been thinking about how I contribute to rape culture. Wow. And like that moment Mm. has been with me like since then. Um, And it's like five years Mm. later now. And I still think like I know exactly like I can picture him. Mm. And it was like actually this really powerful moment for both of us to connect in that way and to like kind of speak about it and be like, yo, that's really... That's really cool. I didn't expect for someone to react that way mm. um, and to have those conversations on that tour was like specifically really rewarding and also a really good growth experience for me. You know, as soon as our poetry, our creativity of any type uh, enters the public sphere, it, it either perpetuates the inequalities of our world or it rebels against them, it challenges them, it it subverts them. Carrie beautifully sums this up throughout what we've just heard. I wonder, again, as a final reflection, we're about to hear a final poem from Carrie, but I wonder as, as we finish this up, what um, what of your work speaks into the society around us, calling people uh, into a more just and equal society in our very divisive world right now? Have a reflection and a think and, and maybe a challenge for yourself as you go forward. What could you bring into this world to speak into the injustices of this world, just as Carrie's been sharing about here? We're going to hear now the final poem from Carrie, uh, and I'll leave that as the, the lead out of this Uh, this podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Deep Place podcast. Please do check out Carrie Rosinski's work. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of places. Look up her videos on YouTube. Uh, It's Carrie Rosinski, R-U-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I. The beautiful song that you've heard playing throughout today as well is from Zach Winters. You can find his music at zachwinters.com. We've just got a few final episodes of this first season. Can you believe it? A whole season done already. A few more episodes to go uh, to finish us off for this season. So keep on joining us uh, and please do keep recommending this podcast to your friends. Um, It's such a wonderful thing for us. We, We love getting to do this. Thank you so much. Is there maybe to finish off? Is there a poem that you could read for us? Yeah. Yeah, I actually was thinking, I have mm. this list of things that I celebrate. Cool. Would that be a good... That would be great, yeah. I feel like that'd be kind of like a positive way. A celebration list sounds yeah. great. Um, cool. So this is a piece um, uh, based after a poem by a Polish poet named Wisława Samborska. And she wrote this beautiful poem called Possibilities. And so this is kind of structured after her. But instead of, um, she says, I prefer this, I prefer that, I prefer this. I've chosen the word celebrate instead Mm. of prefer. Mm. So this is Possibilities after Wisława Simborska. I celebrate Pick's peanut butter. Mm. I celebrate leggings every day of the week. I celebrate sleeping 10 hours a night. I celebrate my partner's hands over anyone else's hands. I celebrate Harry Potter books 
over Lord of the Rings books, but Lord of the Rings movies over Harry Potter movies. I celebrate when my sister is kind to me, my mother so joyful she cries. I celebrate being aware of government corruption. I celebrate black lives. I celebrate breakfast in bed, the smell of the earth after it rains and fresh lemons plucked from my lemon tree. I celebrate where I came from and how far I am from it. I celebrate trusting my voice. I celebrate fear, for without it I would not know my own strength. I celebrate unbuttoning the top button on my jeans because my hunger is satisfied. I celebrate bare feet in new places, having a warm bed to rest my bones, a body that loves my body. I celebrate all of the migraines for reminding me I survive. I celebrate water, quenching my throat, under my fingernails, across my scalp, out of my eyes. I celebrate my father proposing to my mother twice for not giving up. I celebrate the car accident that tried to kill us and the ambulance behind the car we collided with. I celebrate the ungendering of the world around me, positive and inclusive masculinity. I celebrate Netflix, grief, and ice cream, how they all fit together so perfectly. I celebrate the natural growth of hair and my enthusiasm for letting it exist on my body. I celebrate hot water bottles and peppermint tea, the uncertainty of how long I will be alive. I celebrate not believing in myself as a writer and continuing to write anyway. I celebrate being on earth at the same time as Bernie Sanders. I celebrate Palestine, Syria, and Papua New Guinea. I celebrate the ability and freedom to speak against the oppressor. I celebrate strong women and weak women and emotional women and unemotional women and the apologies that we have all made for it. I celebrate Charlotte, Thomas, and Michelle. I celebrate my mother being the first person I want to call. I celebrate not being able to get out of bed. I celebrate getting out of bed. I celebrate another sunrise and another sunrise and another sunrise. I celebrate. I celebrate. I, 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 I celebrate this moment right here in this room when we are all listening to each other breathe.